This is Life with Jerry Williams, the podcast. I'm Jerry Williams, and on this episode, going to go into the archives, the interview archives, because I've been doing this radio thing for just a very long time, and I have a lot of interviews in the archives. So today, we're going to talk with Zach Williams. Zach, not too awful long ago, released a duet with Dolly Parton. There was Jesus. Great song. Well, this interview is from a couple of years ago before Zach recorded that song with Dolly Parton. That is coming up in just a couple of minutes here on the podcast. But first, this week's good news. Now, if you are a Christmas fan, like I'm a Christmas fan, I believe there are only two seasons, Christmas and baseball. And when one ends, the other begins. Well, there's a station, a radio station in the United Kingdom that is jumping the gun a little bit. I guess because they don't have baseball there. I don't know. It's called Magic 100% Christmas. And on August the 25th, four months before Christmas, they went all Christmas music. (laughs) It's amazing. So I went and I uh, went to their website where you can stream them. And they asked for my postal code. So I put my postal code in my zip code here in the States. And they said, oh, sorry. It appears that you are not in the United Kingdom. We can't stream to you. So I did what anybody would do. I Googled London postal codes and I plugged that in and tried it. And I was able to listen to Magic 100% Christmas. I'll put a link to their website for you in the show notes of this episode. And I'll leave it up to you whether or not you want to fudge your postal code so you can listen to Christmas music in September or if you are listening on the day this podcast comes out, the very last day of August. Mount Rainier National Park in Washington uh, just spotted the first family of wolverines there in over 100 years. Wolverines were hunted almost to extinction back in the 1800s and the early 1900s. They're starting to make a little bit of, of a comeback, but they spotted two kits or, or little baby wolverines and a nursing mom on cameras that the park service had set up for the express purpose of trying to see if there are actually are any wolverines you a fan of uh the show home improvement you remember that this it's been 20 years since that went off the air right with tim allen as tim the tool man taylor well tim and richard karn who played al his sidekick on the show and his comedic foil are getting back together for a new show this one's going to be a competition series called some assembly required where people will compete to breathe new life into everyday household items in need of fixing history channel has picked this up it should be on their schedule sometime next year they're not saying exactly when i love it when something i believe but have no real proof for actually gets proven to be true. And I now have evidence. I, I thought for the longest time that the most intricate, complex, complicated, delicate machine in all of human history was the milkshake machine at McDonald's. Because eight out of nine times that I would go into a McDonald's and order a milkshake, the response would come back, I'm sorry, the milkshake machine is broken. Well, a former McDonald's employee has blown the whistle on that and said that that is fake. The shake machines are not broken. 
It's just it's such a complicated procedure to refill them that employees would just rather tell customers, sorry, the machine's broken. Apparently, you got to get a ladder out. You have to climb up on the ladder. You have to tote a five-pound bag. That doesn't seem like it's very heavy to me, of shake mix and dump this into the shake machine. And then it takes about 15 minutes for the shake machine to freeze that so that you can actually get a milkshake. So next time you go into a McDonald's and they tell you, I'm sorry, the shake machine is broken, you just look at them and say, you know what, let's go get that ladder. I'll help you fill that shake machine. And this week's top honeybee story of the week, because I am a beekeeper, apaturism, or is it apaturism, uh, is a thing now. It comes from the term apiary, which is a place where bees are kept or a collection of beehives. Apatourism is a travel concept that combines bees and beekeeping with memorable journeys for the whole family to enjoy. From things like experiencing a day in the life of a beekeeper to a warm honey drizzle massage, beeswax candle making, to a honey-themed hotel, there are more and more destinations popping up all over the place that specialize in Apatourism. And I will put a link to a story about apatourism from honey.com in the show notes of this episode. And they outline places and have links to places from California to Pennsylvania, uh, in the Midwest, in Wisconsin, and the Chicago area. I think they've got one in Texas listed there. And like I said, there's more and more coming all the time. I'll put that link in the show notes on this episode. On this episode of the podcast, we go back into the archives again for a conversation with Zach Williams. Now, this conversation originally took place in April of 2018. Zach was on the road about halfway through a tour, and he was coming to Georgia, where I work at the Joy FM, Georgia. We were getting ready for that show. So I asked him how that tour was going. He was about halfway through at this point and if he had any memorable moments to share. How close are you to wrapping up this tour? We literally are right at the halfway mark. Now, you're here in our area on Friday, May the 4th. You're going to be at Faith Baptist Church in LaGrange. Yeah, and that will be, we'll have two more shows after that one. So that's, that's wrapping it up right there when we get to you guys. Well, by then, you ought to have all the kinks worked out and have be pretty warmed up and ready to go, right? We will, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's usually how it goes. By the, by the end of the tour, everything's working so good, you don't want it to stop. So how's, how's it been so far, now that you're about the halfway mark? Wh what kind of response are you getting? Any highlights you want to share? It's really been good. Um, we, uh, we got to do a show for uh, a community in Kentucky, uh, in Marshall County. I don't know if you remembered hearing about any of that, but they had a school shooting in January. Yeah. It was like the first school shooting of 2018. And we kind of turned the tour stop into, uh, we, we called it a night of healing and hope instead of the Chainbreaker tour and really got to minister to that, that town um, just to see the town come out and support, you know, all those high school kids. We played in the gym of the school. Um, it was just kind of a surreal night. I had a 20 years ago in March, of this year, the town I'm from in Arkansas, we're like, it had the very first school shooting in history. And uh, and that happened when I was in my freshman year in college. And um, my cousin was the high, was the elementary school teacher that got shot and lost her life. Mm. 
And so I kind of had a connection to it. So, and but what was crazy was the promoter. He didn't know anything about that when he asked me to do this. And I said, well, I'd love to do it. And so for me, it just kind of brought back a lot of memories of, you know, 20 years ago and seeing what that did to our town and our community and just knowing the effect that that was having on their small town and community as well. So uh, it was just a cool, I mean, it was a cool night just to see what God was doing and, and you know, praying that, that you know, he was healing those wounds and, yeah. and taking that fear away from those kids. So... When you get off the road, what are you doing? Man, when I'm home right now, we just bought a new house. Well, we kind of built a new house this past year and moved in. So my wife is a trooper, man. She she pretty much moved our entire house to this new place. And so when I've been home, I've been helping unpack and taking things to the dump and recycling centers and things like that. <laughs> I spent three days while I was home this last time cleaning out our old place, the garage, and taking loads to the to the landfill, but whenever I'm not having to do that, I love, if I wasn't a musician, I would probably be trying to open a restaurant somewhere, and so we usually go buy groceries, and my kids, they love to help me, and, and that's just a big thing in our house is cooking dinner together and hanging out, so that's that's what I'm doing whenever I'm off the road, and honestly, I'm working on a, I've got an idea for a, for a new cookbook that I've kind of been working on this last six months to a cool. year, and and that's my plan, is to try to have a cookbook out sometime next year. So what is your signature dish? Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> I mean, I, I don't know that I have a signature dish. We cook a lot of steak at my house, and I've gotten I've gotten pretty well-rounded in whether I can do it on a grill or we do them in a cast-iron pan or I've started doing this new thing. Um, it's a reverse sear. It's where you basically cook it in the oven really low for about 45 minutes on low temperature. So everything's kind of already there and then you just sear it really quick on the outside and then you can eat it immediately you don't have to wait for it to rest that's a pretty good way um i don't know man this cookbook that i'm working on has uh i've got about three recipes from kind of each cuisine i've got about three three mexican style dishes three uh italian three chinese um i've got some good chowder and gumbo recipes i've got a steak a salmon um I mean, I've just kind of tried to put the things that we cook at our house that I've kind of come up with. I've tried to put about 20 different recipes in this in this cookbook. And the idea behind it, uh, I've got a song on my record called To the Table. And for me, man, cooking is so much like writing songs. Um, it, it, I love to see people's expressions when I play them a song for the first time. It's the same way with cooking a meal. Um, I like to see how people react to the things you you know you make, and uh, and honestly, it's just it's one of those things that it, it brings people together. So for me, cooking and music are so much alike. But the idea behind this cookbook is um, each recipe is going to have one of my favorite scriptures with it, and the idea behind it is that you as a family cook the recipe together, you sit down, you read this scripture, and you kind of work through it while you're having dinner, just talking with your family. And so that's kind of the idea behind the, the cookbook that I'm wanting to put out. And uh, hopefully sometime next year we'll have that thing done. Well, that's a tremendous idea and a very novel take on a cookbook. I can't wait for it to come out. You got a name well, for it yet, you. a working title? It's, it's, it's actually going to be called To the Table. I'm going to be uh, watching <laughs> for that, man. Well, that's... I'll tell you what, when we... Uh, 
when we get something going, I'm, maybe I can send something out to some of the radios. Oh, that'd be great. And, and get something like that going. And then, and then you're going to have to come back when you're not doing a tour and, and do a, like a cook-off or something. I'm down with that. Yeah, I would love to. That, that sounds fun. You know, I may have just inadvertently introduced a new recurring feature to the podcast, Side Hustle, since Zach talking about cooking and putting out a cookbook. Now, that was back in 2018. I still haven't seen a cookbook, although I have seen Zach and heard about Zach doing conversations with other people at other radio stations, talking about his cooking. I even saw a video of him cooking some dish at a radio station. I'm going to keep looking for that cookbook. I think he said it was going to be come to the table, right? That was Zach Williams on Life with Jerry Williams. My son and three grandsons live with my wife and I, and I am becoming more and more convinced that there is such an amazing amount of content available around our dinner table every night. It deserves either a live stream or a podcast of its own. Let me give you an example. Just the other night, we're sitting at dinner, and my middle grandson, Travis, he's 12 years old, brought up an incident that happened recently uh, and you can just fill in the blank at whichever incident it happens to be that happened most recent to when you're listening, because it could have been any of them, uh, from uh, looting and riots and protests and political things. He brought up one of those incidents, and he stated rather emphatically, almost word for word, the points that one side of the political spectrum was stating about this particular incident. And I called them on it, and I said, no, that's not... 100% true. I've seen the video and what you just described is not what happened. He said, oh, you, where'd you find the video? I said, Travis, you gotta search things out. You gotta find the evidence for yourself because unfortunately right now, both sides or all sides, because there's more than just two sides to a lot of these things, are all coming from a very particular point of view and you can't always trust the information to be accurate and truthful you have to look at the evidence and you have to look at the motivation of the people presenting the evidence and that got me thinking about something that the apostle john wrote in the book first john in the new testament john often referred to as the disciple whom jesus loved and he seeks to explain in pretty straightforward words the extent of God's love for us, the evidence of that love and the effect it must have on those who claim that love. Because of God's love, we are now called his children. That love and our designation as God's children have some pretty dramatic effects, both on how the world views us and how we are to act toward others. It is in the evidence of those effects that we can tell if we truly grasp the significance of God's love for us and embrace the responsibility that comes with accepting that love. John echoes the words of Jesus when he says that because we are children of God, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Yet we should be able to identify our sisters and brothers because of the effect of God's love. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin, John explains. 
Make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. See, our actions must reflect the love of God that we claim to know, or else that love is not in us. It must be evident. It must be obvious. John writes, by this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. John then provides a little bit more detail. He says, we know love by this. Here's the evidence that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or tongue, but in deed and truth. John's saying there has to be evidence of that love in the way you live your lives. Now, amazingly, John's use of the word brother in that quote I just read for you has occasionally caused some confusion and even some controversy. I've read and heard people declare that because of this statement by John that mentions brother and brethren, our responsibility to love, to see a brother in need and help him, extends only to our fellow Christians. Now, I really want to keep my family-friendly rating on this podcast, so I'm going to choose my words very carefully here and responding to that belief. It is garbage. Whenever I hear or read someone making that argument, I'm reminded of the lawyer who put Jesus to the test by asking him, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responded, what's written in the law? How does it read to you? And the lawyer answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Well, Jesus said, you've answered correctly, do this and you shall live. But wishing to justify himself, the lawyer said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus responded with the story of the Good Samaritan. You see, God's love, his kindness, mercy, blessings are not based on who you are or where you come from, the color of your skin or hair or eyes, the language you speak, or even where you worship or if you worship anything or anyone. God loves you because God is love. And if we claim his love and claim to be his children, then we are to love as he loves, based solely on the source of that love and not the object of it. Now, if in doubt about who to demonstrate love to, I think it's always best to err on the side of inclusion rather than exclusion. We shouldn't be searching for reasons to limit who we love. Well, John says, brothers, and that guy is certainly not my brother. No, rather we must seek the opportunity to share God's love as generously as we are able. God has granted us many blessings, even the goods of this world, in order that we may demonstrate his love for others, especially to those in need of what we have been given so generously.
And that's a wrap on another episode of Life with Jerry Williams, the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and allowing me to be a part of your day today. Please do subscribe to the podcast. That way it'll show up in your feed and you won't have to worry about missing an episode. And if your platform allows, give us a five-star rating and a review. That will help other people find the podcast as well. In the show notes for this episode, I will have a link to that article on honey.com about apotourism, uh, honeybee tourist destinations, not destinations for the honeybees, destinations for you to spend time with the honeybee. That link will be in the show notes, as well as a link to Magic 100% Christmas, that radio station in the United Kingdom that is playing all Christmas music has been since August the 25th. If you'd like to comment ever on anything you hear on the podcast, maybe you have some suggestions. Maybe you've got that romance story of how you met and you think maybe other people would be interested in it because we're, we're looking for stories for that segment of the podcast, How We Met. You can email me at podcast at jerrywilliamsmedia.com. Next week another episode of Life with Jerry Williams.